prostitution central, gang activity, homelessness, uh, a world that I really wasn't that familiar with. Right. But it immediately spoke to me. Mm. And I just uh, – I shadowed this uh, friend of mine for, for three days okay. and I said, uh, I'm in. It, wow. see, see if you can get me uh, a position up here uh, because I think this might be a calling for how, me. How, and And I'm sorry. Like how did you – how did it click within three days where you're like, yes, I'm going to do this? What was it? Do you, was there that aha moment? You know, I, that's a great question, and, and I think there was. Uh, as I was sitting there, to me, the most valuable commodity on the planet is people. Oof. Yes. You ain't wrong. Mm-hmm. And as I was sitting there on Burnside watching cars go by, I noticed a couple of people looking at their cars looking down on people at the street level. Right. And that immediately spoke to my heart because I looked in them and I said to myself, you have no idea what you're actually viewing, what yeah. you're looking at. You're looking at the most valuable thing and you're discarding it. And judging. Yes. So to me, it spoke to my heart. I could be a voice. I could be a support. I could be a love for a group of people that may have not recognized that for a long time or maybe in their lives never even have had it. Wow, John, I got to tell you, thank you for having that aha moment because we have a lot of people in our community that really look up to you and really appreciate what you do thank for you. them and, and the love, the care, the, the inspiration you hold. Like all those points really make a difference in somebody's life. So thank you for that. Yeah. And then I was wondering, is that why your friend said to you uh, because he knew your heart that you would be a good fit as someone who saw them as people and not as right. a judgment. Mm-hmm. Well, you're absolutely right. And that's going to get into something that we talk about a little bit later mm-hmm. is the importance of healthy relationships. This man knew me well enough at an authentic level wow. that he knew that I would be or it would be the right fit. Mm, I love and that. And so that is such a beautiful point. Again, as we talk about uh, – as we'll get into a little bit later, you know, the great quote by Johann Hari is the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. connection. Woohoo. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So it's these relationships. And I'm glad you brought that up, Christy, because this gentleman knew me so well authentically, mm. he knew to make the call. Right. So glad he did. Yeah. So. I got like all these cool things going on in my brain right now and I got to kind of keep on task because I could venture off left and right with this all day with you as we always do. And that's okay. It is. It is okay. But I like, because I'm a curious type of guy and I like answers and I'm always questioning a lot of things and I just, I really appreciate the love you have for people Mm -hmm. in general, you know, like that to me stands out with John more than anything. So you guys, we're just super glad we have him here today. Mm. So we were sitting on our couch. And we were discussing topics with John, and he came up with this, how do you know you are in recovery? And we, we took a real look at that. And he started out with you asking your clients. Mm-hmm. Can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I love to do and that I've been uh, allowed to do over the years is run groups. And I, I love the dynamics. I love that people... Uh, you provide a good, safe, healthy place where people can bond and connect and share their stories and then start getting things out. And in that process, uh, 
you know, the way I learned it, the traditional way, everybody kind of checks in. Hi, I'm John. I got 42 days clean and stuff like that. And so I do that, but I add a little bit of flavor to it. But one of the questions I like to periodically ask people is, uh, are you in recovery? And usually almost all the hands will go up and say, yeah, I'm in recovery. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's great. Can you tell me how you know? Mm, I love that. And the usual response is, well, I, I think I just told you I have 42 days clean and I go to meetings. Hmm. And my response is, that is wonderful. That is so awesome. <laughs> but if I can shoot straight with you, that's not recovery. Yeah. Right. And what did they say to that? Well, after a uh, very interesting <laughs> look on their face, uh, you know, some uh, buy in, some ask me, well, well, what do you mean? What, what does it mean to be in recovery? That's the way that I understand recovery. And I said, well, th that's a part of it. You know, getting this yeah. clean time yeah. and uh, going to meetings for you know, is obviously a good piece that fits in for a lot of people. But recovery is a process. You right. are actively doing something. We live in a very reactive world mm -hmm. where things come to us. And, and this is interesting. As we go through our list of things, my number one, because I have a list of over, you know, this decade that I've been doing this, of about 12 things of what I call active recovery. Which we're going to get into. Yeah. Yeah. And so my number one might surprise people. But as we get into it and talk about it, you're going to see that it really is the foundation or the right. baseline for all of it. And pardon me. I want to make something real clear. Like, John's been doing this for now, running on 11 years. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. And this is his idea of what recovery looks like. Correct. Okay, you guys. This isn't the cookie-cutter uh literature, what it says in your literature, in your rooms. It isn't that. This is what John has noticed that works in recovery. And that's what we're going to dig into because I can already hear people out there. Well, he didn't know. I mean, this is his idea and he's been doing this for a long time, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. So we're going to get to this. And when I went through it, I loved it. Yeah. And I also think because John talks about the people, so it's relationships. Mm -hmm. yes. So he doesn't open a book, John, right. to right. say, hey, how do you know you're in recovery? You, you interact with people, have these great relationships, and based out of that is how you came up with, hey, this is how we know we're in recovery. Absolutely. Which is different because it takes a little extra specialness to look at people in relationships rather than a textbook. Right. right. Yeah. I love that. Ding, 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 ding. So if <laughs> if we go back for a second, because I, I think it might be important uh, to throw in there, when I was up in Portland and... Uh, working on Burnside, what we really didn't get to is they ran a year-long men's residential treatment oh. program. Ooh. And so my first two and a half years in addiction counseling was working closely with roughly 40 men uh. in a uh, residential program. So what I observed and what I learned was the connection bonding piece, mm -hmm. the closeness, and really how to take evidence-based treatment and modalities and all these things that we talk about in treatment, right. but how do you actually flush them out? How do you, right. how do you actually work them? How do they work in, in actual conflict? How, right. do they, how do they, you know, do these type of things? So that was a, a great foundation for me. And I love the way that you said it, Brandon. Uh, there are many different maybe ways or templates to yes. look at what yes. addiction should look like. 
what I want to offer today is my experience of a little over 10 years, and I've fortunately got to work with over a 1,000 clients, and I've seen some really good success stories, right. many. So that's what I want to share with you. And if we could go one further before we move on, the list that I'm going to share transcends addiction in my belief. Which is awesome. Now, can you explain a little bit of that, please, for the listeners real quick? Sure. So I tell my clients, I'm not going to teach you anything or take you anything that I will not go through in my own life. Perfect. So as I go through this list, this, by transcending addiction, a person doesn't need to have an alcohol and drug issue for this to be good, healthy coping skills. Uh, this uh, is humanistic. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. And this applies to everybody then is what you're Thank saying. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So the need to understand, let's say, healthy relationships, how to hold boundaries, how to, how to communicate effectively, right? Codependency. As we get under all these different issues, again, now we're talking about people, Yes. We're not just talking about those that are suffering from something. Right. Which I love that because then that's the bridge that we all want to get to, you know, other people. And and here's the thing is we know that drug and alcohol addiction is alive and well and doing its thing, but so are other addictions. Absolutely. You know, so like when we go through these, like really try to prioritize these in your life if you can and see if they work for you. Right. Well, and that's a, let's just throw a, a disclaimer out there for anybody who may be listening. Uh, you may have never had experience uh, with a needle or any of these drastic terms. I'm sorry if that was triggering to anybody. But uh, addiction comes in many, mm-hmm. many different forms. We just don't talk about it enough. Correct. And that's uh, food addiction, pornography addiction, gambling addiction, workaholism. The list goes on and on. Addiction is addiction. And coming back to the humanistic point, it's our human nature to want to avoid and run from pain Mm. and go to something that makes us feel better. Yes. Yes, absolutely. All right, you guys. So, Stephanie, if you don't mind for a moment, can you do me a favor and read what the definition of recovery is and what we found? Sure. Uh, We looked it up. As you know, we do that sometimes. Regaining of something lost or taken away and the returning of our authentic self. And really, the mission of Reclaiming Lives is about optimal living. I mean, yeah, we talk a lot about addiction, but ultimately it's like gaining your life back. Yep. Live. You know, go and do amazing things and live. If I could speak to that for one second. I, I heard this from actually, I believe it was a client, and I loved it. Didn't read it out of a textbook, but I, I really liked it. And they said, isn't recovery like recovering back to a time before the hurt and trauma happened? And I yes. was like, wow, was mm. that beautiful. Recovering thine own self. So the, the definition that you just gave, and that's something that I'm going to speak to a lot of people, and that's one of my favorite words is authenticity. So the journey is not about, uh, let's say, getting clean and sober as much as if I can – help someone return to their authentic self and find out who they really are and what they're really capable of, then the need for alcohol and drugs diminishes, right? So it's really about that authenticity or recovering back. But that is a really big word for a lot of people Mm -hmm. because I know 
for me when I thought about, okay, what's your authentic self? It kind of um, feels like, wow, that is a big word. And when, if you're, if you're talking about going back, how far back do I need to go right. to say, who was I originally? I mean, are we talking toddler time? Are we talking, you know, there's so many different, there's, there's such a huge range with when it was that I was authentic. Right. I do that with Stephanie all the time. Yeah. Man, I realized today I don't like this there. I realize like I do that, but that's, that's a whole nother topic too. Right. Like, but that, that is the authentic self. Some people don't even know who their authentic self actually is, you know? Right. So shouldn't that be what good counseling is all about? It should, <laughs> but is it? Okay. So it, that's, Get again, that's the way, that's the way I'm going to view it is, uh, I believe healthy counseling is, walking with a person on that journey. Uh, and again, just for me, rather than handing out a packet or something that says, okay, you know, list your 10 triggers or things like that, um, though that's important, I want to get underneath any addiction. I yep. want to get underneath any uh, unhealthy behavior. Or maybe e could you even say it as simple as, why do I do the things that I do? Which everybody says. I think they do. <laughs> or why do I do the things I don't want right. to do? Yeah. That's the bigger yeah. question. Yeah. So mm. this part, if, if a person is open to the journey of looking back and because I believe that the majority of us have an idea of who we are authentically. But as we do the work backwards, we find out that a lot of that information came from other people. Yes. And society. And even in survival times, things that we told ourselves. Mm. And how do you unravel all that? Well, again, like, uh, you know, they say in addiction, it's it's not an event. It's a process. Yes. It's It's something that uh, hopefully you find a good counselor, mentor, uh, friend, pastor, whatever it is, someone Somebody, that you man. can open up to and that will hold space for you to be able to go down that journey. Yeah, absolutely. Side by I side. Mm -hmm. Side by side. All right, you guys. What do you guys say we get into the meat and potatoes? Sounds good. Okay. The Let's old, go. The old belly filling stuff. All right, John, <laughs> you got your 12, 12 ways to tell that you are in active recovery is what we put on that board. Yes. Is there, a, is there a better title you'd like to have to that? No. Is that what I, it is? I, you know, uh, anybody can throw whatever they, I just like the word active recovery and I'll share just a quick story about, because people can differentiate what that means. I was in group one day and I just loved this. It just moved my heart. I had a female client, uh, say, hi, my name is so-and-so. Uh, I have 42 days clean and I have 26 in active recovery. Wow. Mm. And I was like, whoa. I never heard tell that. Tell us about that. Wow. And she said, okay, well, I got 42 days from not taking any products, but I got these 26 days where I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing Proactive. And, I'm, wow. and I was like, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Now That's now nice. you can define what you're doing. And she and she could very clearly define the difference. Right. And so I knew that that's a good confirmation that we're talking about the, thing, the, the right thing. So, you know, the term for me, and it can be anything for anybody, but I call it active recovery because I truly believe that, that to be in recovery, to be healthy, to be strong, to be, to be whatever you would like, people, you have to be active. Yes. And I, this will make sense to some people that have suffered from addiction in the past. 
many times I can parallel recovery or health to their addiction. Right. Because in their addiction, they were very active. Right. 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 Oh, yeah. oh, yes, it, absolutely. It takes a lot of work. Sure it does. 24 <laughs> hours a day, seven Managing. days a week, no well, sure days it does. off. Ridiculous. <laughs> so uh, that has always been something uh, that I've drawn upon over the years is if if someone may be struggling with something, I said, well, let's parallel this. Let's take a look at this. Uh, did you – were you active and – Searching and using your, your your mind and your creativity and all these kind of things in the midst of your addiction, or were you just kind of sitting back on the couch saying, "Gosh, I hope stuff comes to me." Right, and <laughs> and you know, like when when you say this, I start thinking about okay, in my early recovery process, I'm starting to think, okay, Brandon, what is he talking about? How how were you proactive? Right, and I'm starting to think. I'm like, man, I remember in my disease, I needed the best of the best drug hookups. So when I got clean, I figured, oh, I need the people with the best recovery and mm-hmm. find what they're doing. Yeah. And then I just keep trying to climb. So it was like continually, continuously being active, continuously giving back, continuously being selfless, continuously working on myself more. And you guys, I, pen to paper really works. And today, if you guys feel like taking notes, today would be the day to take notes. Yeah. Get your pen and paper out. Um, stick this to your cork board because this this could be life-changing for you. Mm. It's it's all about how you take it. And Brandon, what a great thing to say as we get into this. And my number one is I'm going to unveil here is, uh, is going to tie right into this because many people come to treatment, they come to group, uh, come to things, and we share a lot of these things and I noticed they're not jotting them down. Mm. And so I think to myself, these are some pretty important things. Uh, what happens a week from now when you're emotionally unstable? Are you going to be able to remember those things? This is uh, foundational, bread and butter, like you say. Yep. To be able to look back. Like when I share with someone creating a relapse prevention plan, I tell them this should – I ask them, have you ever heard of a living document? Mm. This should be a living document, not something that just, you know, right. I, f- I fill out right. once, I fill in the little squares that they tell me to, and it goes into my drawer and maybe out in the garage. Yeah, I've done a relapse prevention plan. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> what did your relapse prevention say two months ago? Do you remember right. what you yeah. wrote down? You know, yeah. like, no, I pen, pen to paper, pen to paper. I believe in that, too. Mm. Yeah. Stephanie's actually taught me how to write notes. It's pretty, pretty good. So proactive. All right, so you're going to jump in there and say it well, for I me. Well, I feel huh? like you already did. <laughs> you already did. You said being active, so I figured with this one, this is the first one I felt like, so if you'd okay. like to continue. So let's let's jump into that. So as a foundation, again, whether a person, I believe, wants to get find recovery, sobriety, you want to look for a new career, you want to move forward, you want to get healthy, you want to get a six-pack abs, you mm-hmm. want to go to the next level, whatever area that you want to move in, we are going to have to be proactive. Period. Take action. Period. Period. Right? Uh, no one is coming to knocking on your door this afternoon <laughs> saying, hi, Christy, here's a nice big box of self-esteem. <laughs> Woo! Oh, we try. Right? And yeah. Brandon here is now 16-inch biceps. <laughs> Oof. Right? You kind of get the point in whatever level or place that you want to go, we're going to have to put action to it. Yes, absolutely. It's it's not coming to us. 
right? Recovery is not coming to you. And I share with people in group, coming to group is a wonderful and beautiful thing, but is that it is only the starting line. Right. And th- it's got to start somewhere. Absolutely. It's got to start somewhere. And it's beautiful. But there are some that have a notion that if I go to group two times a week and just go through and check the boxes, then I'll be in recovery. Mm. And that's just not true. Mm. And it's (laughs) some of those people, like I know for a lot of, including myself in the beginning, it was like, I wanted everything right now. It's like, why can't I start in the middle? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, why can't I start in the middle? Why can't I just jump? Because you got to start in the beginning. Yeah. You got to take things slow. Baby steps are real mm-hmm. when it comes to early recovery. 100%. And one of the things that I go to is, you know, people share with me, well, John, I've, I've been doing this treatment thing for 60 days. It, it That's pretty good, right? That's a lot. And I'm like, oh, okay, let's just pause right there. How long were you in your addiction? Mm. Oof. 10 years. If not longer. <laughs> And so I'm saying, would it be reasonable then if we were in something for 10 years that it might take longer than 60 days to go go somewhere else? (laughs) Well, if you want to be logical about it. (laughs) Right. So sometimes it's just bringing awareness. Right. 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 And it's like, so within those 60 days, so you got 60, 24-hour days where you're Eight, where you're like 12 hours a day actually awake, probably doing this recovery thing. You probably haven't quite made the hours to make a master at it yet. You yeah. still got a lot of work to do. Showing up to meetings, making that phone call, that's good and all, but you really got to be out there with, with the community. Like for me, it was giving back to the community mm. I hurt. Mm. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like sitting down on my butt was not going to do it for me, was not going to be proactive or even pro-social. Right. I had to really find it within myself to get uncomfortable. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. To get uncomfortable. So let me go back to this for a second. If you're if we're going to move forward, and you can take this, I think, in many many areas of your life, right? Again, thinking back, we're usually a reactive society, right? Our toothaches, then we go to the dentist. Right. So I tell clients, if you need to contact a caseworker, if you need to contact a PO. If you need to start working on your relapse prevention plan, if you notice that you need some help in communication skills, you go to your primary counselor or person and say, I need to work on these things. Mm. Will you help me? Right now. Yes. Right now. Don't wait for them or your DHS worker to call. Right. Right. <laughs> 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 step ahead of the game. Be a step ahead of the game, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. I, you know, you said that. And I'm sitting here looking back at my past, and I'm like, "What a dumbass, dude!" Like, <laughs> I always active. did. I was always the last one there. You know what I mean? Thinking, "Why ain't I'm? Why aren't I getting better?" Because I wasn't freaking trying. Right. Yeah. I wanted it all right now. I wasn't being proactive. I was being. Antisocial, right? Mm. You know what I mean. And I wasn't—I was being very isolated. And I just—I get it. This one right here hits so hard. That's the first step for me. Was and they tell you when you go to any rooms of twelve steps, you know, get a service position, get a sponsor, do the steps. Get a service position is giving back. That's a giving back, right? That's mm-hmm. that's they tell you that because they want you to become proactive. Mm-hmm. Be proactive. Be a part of this, make it an, make a commitment, make an obligation, and come do this and fulfill your commitment. Mm-hmm. Right. So being proactive. 
so before we move on from that, I want to throw one more tenet that I think is important because uh, it keeps coming up in working with clients. And two things really move uh, things in a good, healthy direction. And I think you need both of them. Number one is to identify mm. something. And number two is, this is really where bread and butter, you have to put action to. Mm. So, Identify and action. So let me, let me give an example. We are working, let's say, on, on a series on self-esteem. Okay. And I bring up the power of self-affirmations. Mm. Mm. So we have a beautiful group, wonderful group. People write them down. We, we, we pull them out. And they've identified that there's a couple of things they like about themselves. Mm. Right. Not many. But they, they, they found a couple, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And so they've identified it. And where sometimes we miss or we need to maybe become stronger in is now that you've identified it, go home and hammer them. Do it. Do put action to it. Tomorrow morning when you get up, look and say, I believe in you. Mm. Girl, you're strong. Mm. Whatever your affirmations are, we got to identify it, and then it's there's got to be action behind mm. it. I am so glad you just said that because I get up in the morning and out loud, my wife, when I, she first got with me on first seeing this, she always like, you're so weird. I would wake up and just say, good morning to myself. Good. <laughs> good morning. Start the day off with something something positive in my head. Yeah. You know what I mean? Good morning. And you know why? another reason why that's important? Is because before checking your Facebook or doing any of this stuff, you just validated yourself. Mm -hmm. Yep, 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 yep. That's a whole nother episode I have just in my brain right now. <laughs> yeah, me too. That just, I just totally went, woo, I love you, John. Thank you because, man, you open up my mind so much. I'm, I'm always so blessed for this. Well, well, it's awesome, too, because it feels like everything you're saying, you're giving the power back to the individual. So it's like, Absolutely. you know, it's not like we have to wait um, to see if someone's going to do something or is this going to happen to us. We have the ability to to take that power. And what's cool, it's always there. It's always available to us. So we can wake up in the morning and we can look at Facebook or we can wake up and take out a journal and, you know, write a letter to God or write a letter to ourselves or give ourselves affirmation. So it's always available to us. So there's no reason that we can't be in active recovery. Right. Which Thank is cool. you, Christy. Thank you so much for bringing that point up because it's key. Mm. Many people that I've worked with come into treatment and they feel or believe that they have no more control in right. their life. For sure. And what you just said, and, and, I, and I totally agree with because I share with them, uh, well, let's maybe take a look at the things that you do have control over. Do you have the control over... Or the power of choice. Right. Yes. Yes. Right? Do you have the power and control over how you speak to yourself? Mm -hmm. And we start going through these things and you can see the changes, you know, on their face as they make these discoveries of like, oh my, mm -hmm. I actually may have more control 
than I thought I did. Right. Yeah, and a lot of times if you're giving up an addiction, you know, there there's that time where you're feeling, you know, less than, you're feeling you're in pain, you're giving up your best friend. So there's all the stuff you're giving up and then you have to do, you know, a whole list of things. But if you change that perspective instead of have to, like, I get to take some power back and mm-hmm. I get to make a new right. decision. Right. So it's up to me. It's not someone telling me what I need to do, which is... And I also believe, like, once we get through these 12, right, and you start looking at that, like, you'll start noticing how to get your power back. And that's what it's all about. It's actually awesome. I love that. Your power back. Yes. Right. That's a big, big thing. And and one thing, like Christy said, too, you have to let go of some stuff to make room. Right. Right. For the good stuff. Right. Right. So some of that stuff's got to go before you can— have room to take power back because there's there wasn't any room for it before. Right. I love that. Yeah. Make room. <laughs> so did we knock that one home? Did we knock one out of the park or what? Yes, that's awesome. I think we did too. So you guys, number two, dun dun dun, the one that gets a little bit uncomfortable for everybody, but this is what makes it special because without it, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So how about accountability, John? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So if we, you know, take being proactive is not very easy sometimes. No, it's not. <laughs> so uh, we don't want to follow through. Or maybe if you're like me, anybody out there, uh, you know, I have the laziness uh, at times in my life. So it's important that we add accountability. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sure that you guys have, you know, plenty of, uh, or some stories of, you know, in the past of, of how accountability played a key role for you. <laughs> Christy, I'll let you, if... Da, da, da. Yeah, floor is was, yours. Yes, you know, it was it was really good to hear this because yeah. when I was in prison and when I was getting out, I knew I needed accountability. And so I was moving to a new state. I was moving to Oregon and no one really here knew where where I was. So I um, I got an email from somebody that lived in Dana Point that I knew that moved to Ashland. And so I got his email and I emailed him and I said, hey, I don't know if you know where I've been for the last few years, but I am, I'm going to move to Ashland and I need to have a woman um, mentor if you have anybody for me. And he responded, yes, I have the perfect person. So I set myself up for accountability while I was still in prison and I'm still with that Beautiful. amazing woman now. That's, and, and she holds you accountable. Yes, all, all the time. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. You know, and for me accountability is everything. It's kind of like I don't I don't I love structure today. I didn't before. Right. I didn't Same like thing. accountability before and I like it today because it allows me to have structure in my life today. Well, yeah, because and it makes I can, my life a little more manageable. Yeah, because I can justify anything. I can justify not making a phone call. I could justify not going to the gym. I could ju- justify anything. But if I already set myself up for something I was going to do, then it, it makes it a lot easier to follow through with it. And then you feel well good said. about yourself. Right, right, right. Yeah. And see, here's a quick difference that you can throw in, too, if we tie a couple of these things in together. Accountability in the past for some meant, oh, well, my PO is going to hold me accountable right. or this kind of thing. <laughs> but if we add being proactive, that's an actual choice yes. that says, I want to move forward. So I'm going to talk to Stephanie and say, would you be my accountability partner? Mm. Would you ask me the tough questions? So now I'm taking the power. Yes. Um, I have the choice, and I'm proactively looking for that because I know if she's in my life, I my goals have a much better chance of getting accomplished. Yeah. Right, right. And we can all do that. You know, and that's it stands for everybody. Mm-hmm. For everybody. 
Yeah. Everybody needs accountability. Yes. Or else we're all going to just do whatever we want, rebel, and then let's see how far life gets us then. Right. <laughs> that's, that's the Not part. Very far. Yeah, that's the part that scares me <laughs> to death. <laughs> well, I think that one's pretty uh, self-explanatory there, you guys. Hold yourselves accountable and hold your, hold your uh, peers accountable as well. Number three we got here. So number three is it's pretty close to accountability, but this is going to be an interesting one for some, uh, is that we need to work or move towards being open and honest. Mm. And With myself? Well, that's part of it. But as we well <laughs> know, in the midst of our addiction or our lives, or let's call it survival, mm-hmm. we, many of us became masters or very good at not telling all the truth or manipulating or, you know, Getting over. Sure. Yeah. Uh, putting the facts out there in a certain way that most benefited us. So <laughs> as we move forward. Isn't that called manipulation? Yeah, I was yes. going to say, isn't that called growing up? <laughs> yes, which is always one of my favorites because it seems like once or twice a year I get this. Well, John, isn't there such thing as good manipulation? And it always mm. adds for a very interesting conversation. We won't go there today. but <laughs> so, mm. But it's a... Coming to a place where you uh, let go of another behavior that you used to use. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. In a maladaptive way. And that's probably not the healthiest to do. So we're really appreciative of the fact that being open and honest is a part of recovery, is a part of being proactive, holding yourself accountable. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, this is something you guys should write down. <laughs> this is something that I, I put on my little corkboard here. Christy, do you have anything for open and holding no secrets, open and honesty? Well, I I believe that I lived a lot of my life in that way that I I wasn't I didn't know that being open and honest with my true feelings was okay. Mm. I thought that I needed to manipulate because I didn't want you to feel bad for what I did. Right. Right. You know, and and that goes back to the manipulating, which sound like such a really like a bad word. So I would never admit that I was a manipulator because that I, I think to me meant like I was a bad person. Right. So I would never admit that. I I remember my father had said that when I was young, he um, caught me with scissors in my hand and my bangs cut. And he said, why did you cut your hair? I said, I did not cut my hair. And he's like, wait, I can see the scissors and your hair. And I said, I didn't do it because I thought if I did something wrong that that meant I was bad. Or um, in trouble, about to get in trouble. For sure in trouble, but that something was wrong with me. So I just, I think I just lived my the rest of my life like that. So now to be able to be open and honest about my feelings, whether it affects you in a negative way or not, is such a freedom. Right. Pure freedom. If I could add a tiny little one to that, <clears throat> Christy, thank you for sharing that with us. The When I hear open and honesty, it was when the first time I had to get open and honest with myself mm-hmm. about my manipulation, my lying, and my criminality. Now, I've said this before, and I'll say it again a hundred times. Drugs, yes, I was addicted to, but I was addicted to criminality, mm-hmm. and I didn't understand that. I didn't quite comprehend that, you know? And when I finally sat down and I did some work on myself, I realized that in order to stop using drugs, I had to stop cr- being a criminal, mm. stop committing crimes, which was hard for me because that was my thing. Right. And how to do that, like, first, that was a shock to me. That was like, whoa, like, I'm sitting in prison. Obviously, I'm a criminal. You know what I mean? But I'm sitting there looking at, like, 
whoa, that's where my drug use is stemming from, is from my criminality. Like, wow. I like to get high, and I like to commit crime. You and know? that's hard for people to understand. So when our audience is listening that that don't commit crimes, it's hard for them to understand what that's right. like. Some people like to get high and cook. I like <laughs> to get high and commit crimes. I'm sorry. That's get who I was. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> So that like when we when when I hear open and honest, it was the first time being open mm-hmm. open and honest with myself at thirty eight years old, realizing that dude, like, that's what it is for you. That's what brings it. And wow. it was important for you, wasn't it? Every day. Yeah. Every yeah. day. Don't you find, John, that people really take significant steps forward when they actually do get honest with themselves? Well, yeah, because uh, for maybe the first time or in a long time, we're actually dealing in the truth. Mm. And that's so much that I see in counseling, whether it's through uh, not telling the truth or lies of omission or manipulation or these kind of things. We're we're playing a shell game where we're not really in the truth. So I like the way that you say that. When I'm able and come to a place like, wow, I really got to be honest with you, it like opens up something and they see a part of themselves. Mm. So and that takes time. A- absolutely. And trust. Tr- I literally was just going to say that. And it's trust. And not just with like me trusting you or me trusting you, but it's me trusting myself. Right. And safety. Like I need to feel safe. If I'm going to be honest and say and, and, and act in a way that's new, then I need to feel safe. Absolutely. That's correct. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Safety. That's you, anybody else got anything on that one? Because I feel like. I feel like we could hammer that one home for like the next six, seven hours. Yeah, so we we're could. Gonna, <laughs> we're we're, we're, we're going to go ahead and move forward on this one. Because, well, because it's a new way to live. So And, and, and ladies and gentlemen, you know, this is new. To, if yeah. this is new to you, you guys just remember, you can take a break. You can push pause. You can really take a look. Really try to hone yourself back in and try to relax because this is something that's really important, not just to us, but it's important for us that you know this stuff too. So we can get this out there so you guys have tools for your tool belt for success. Yes. And to know that they're not alone. You're not alone in your inability to be open and honest because, like I said, I thought that something was wrong with me because I couldn't do that. But yet learning to have trust and, and be safe and that allowed me to be open. Right. Right. So, and we're and we're trying to go through the list the best that we can, realizing that uh, if I have the time and I'm working with someone or in group, uh, one of these might, you know, be a couple of weeks long. Yeah, right? right. Type of a thing. So we're trying to hit on them the as best that we can, but realize that they're kind of a starting point. Yeah, and there's a lot of good stuff underneath it. Yeah. Right. So it's and, not like I just go through the twelve things and I'm right. Right. Yeah. And and and. And this is something you guys can go with with your significant other, a counselor. Like, you guys can really focus on this and just knock it out of the park. So thank you guys for sticking with us on this, and I hope you're taking notes. Number four, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, boy. And um, this is, again, something that's foundational, and I'll, and I'll share with it. But number four is all about building and fostering healthy relationships. Mm. Say it again. So (laughs) for those in the back, (laughs) for those all the way in the back, building and fostering or keeping up, working on healthy relationships. And uh, if you go back to Johan Hari, you know, talking about, uh, you know, the opposite of addiction being connection, that's connection with other people in healthy relationship. Mm. Not toxic. Yes. So here is one of those foundational things that that I learned, I believe, uh, 
uh, and why it's so important. From what I've seen with working with so many people and in my own life, I believe if I get the time to work with someone, I can track back the majority, if not all of their hurt, pain, and trauma back to A or broken relationships. Mm. Now, when you say that, I got like this. It wasn't calming, but it was assuring because I'm starting to realize my past long before you and I had a conversation. But I'm starting to think about like, don't let this deter you, ladies and gentlemen. Like this is this is a really good, this is a really good topic. You're building and fostering healthy relationships. A lot of people, and this is to no fault of your own, have no clue what that really is. True, have no clue. I didn't know what that was until I was in my late thirties. I really didn't. Right. Like I know I had love for people, and I knew I loved them, and I. But it was toxic. Right. It it was. Negative on negative, you know, there was no, there was no fundamental good relationship building between me and, well, anybody from my past (laughs) while we were using, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so uh, this is why I believe it's such an important tenet of addiction recovery is learning that I have pain. Mm. I was uh, stopped or... uh, did not develop anymore at a certain place because I had this event or something mm-hmm. happened in my life. Yeah. And then I might throw a false belief on top mm-hmm. of it that, I, well, I don't need people. Yeah. And so the thing I'm actually taking out my medicine or what I actually need to heal, right. I'm pushing farther away. Okay. So if I've been hurt through relationship then the way to be restored or healed is through a healthy relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Dang, John, you just killed that. That was so good. Thank you. You know, is it one of those things where you just kind of got to take a look at yourself and ask yourself, like, so I'm trying to be a viewer. I'm trying to picture Mm -hmm. myself, me, on my way to work, in my car, listening to this program, and I'm listening, I'm thinking back to myself, well, how do I know? If I'm, if I am, or if I am not in a healthy relationship, how do I know? So I think that's a good starting point. I would try to get some education, get someone that can speak into your life. Again, be proactive Mm -hmm. in when I come across a question like that from my own life. If I ask myself that question, I say, John, go find out what are the five healthiest characteristics of healthy relationships? Oh, Mm. there you go. Right. So I'll go try to educate Mm -hmm. myself on, because an hour ago, I wasn't sure. Right. So I'm going to go find someone that probably has the answer. Right. And so I'm going to educate myself. But again, it's going to be about being proactive because a lot of people are like, well, I don't have the time or, um, you know, I guess I'll just, you know, wing it or relationships aren't that important. And we end up doing ourselves a disservice. Right. So ask questions, identify, then go put some action to it. You know, <clears throat> thank you for this. It takes me back a little bit. When I first got out of prison, I, uh, building and fostering healthy relationships. I have a buddy whose name is Doug Duvall. And uh, before I went to prison, I was kind of running around with him a little bit, doing dumbass shit, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I got out of prison, I was like, man, I made this Facebook and I was tripping out a little bit. 
because his name popped up on people I may know. Now, granted, I only had like four friends on my Facebook because I was literally building it. And I looked at him and I looked at him <laughs> and I grew up with this guy, you know, like he's a friend of mine. And I swiped. I didn't push ad friend. And it kind of bugged me a little bit, but I didn't know where he was at in mm. his life at that time. And I knew the last time we were hanging out, it was up to no good, right? Right. So I chose, nope, that's not a healthy relationship for me, right? And then I went to an on-track, which is a treatment center out here, and I'm standing across the street and kind of smoking a cigarette about five days out, and Doug comes around the corner, heavy, smiling. I can see his blue eyes from across the street, and my heart melted. A, I felt a little bad because I swiped on my friend. You know what I mean? But I had to, I had to keep that, that boundary for Brandon. But then when he came up to me and just gave me the biggest hug and he introduced me into my recovery life, like he's the Mm. one that helped me step into my recovery life and how to show me or not how to show me, but show me how he did it and what steps he took and who he hangs out with today. And now I have literally, I mean, I could call any of these guys right now right now and say I'm stuck somewhere and I bet you they would race to come help me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, and those are healthy relationships mm-hmm. that I have today that I was, that I allowed myself to have because for a minute, like it took me a long time when I was in prison to get my hair, my head a little cleared up, you know, <laughs> from all the destruction I'd caused myself. Yeah. But it's like when I seen Doug and he took me to the Oxford house and he, and all my friends that I used before I went to prison were clean. Now we have relationships where we're in each other's weddings. We go to each other's kids' games. We play softball together. So, ladies and gentlemen, to me, that is how I built my healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it wasn't easy, but it wasn't hard. It wasn't hard. Man. You guys just took me so many places in my brain, but this has taken me so many places. One that we have right here is a big one. Okay. It's number five. Number five. Uh, That's a willingness to change. And that's a foundational thing. Uh, You know, it's a staple for recovery, but really, again, in our lives, we see it played out all the time. People want something different. Right. Yeah. I, I want that car or I want that career or I want that six pack abs. I want all these things, but I'm not really willing to change my behaviors to get them. Right. Right. Willingness. There you go. And so it's one of those things that really it hits a lot of us. Um, and it, it is more universal maybe than that we think. And it, it just keeps a lot of people from moving forward is uh, – we live in a very, uh, I would like to be comfortable yeah. society. World, yeah. And that makes mm-hmm. change difficult, whether it's mm-hmm. fear or... Uneasy, right. Sure. Right. Yeah, type of things. And some of the people that, that I like to study, uh, that's one of the first things that they're going to go after. Mm. They're going, it's been proven, is uh, if you truly want something, you're going to have to be willing to move out of some comfort zones. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Hundred percent willingness to change is, you know, we get to do this every day with people and get to walk alongside people. But if they're not willing to change, mm-hmm. what are we doing here? Right. You know, we can still we're still going to love them. We're still going to provide hope, but yeah. like they have to really dig deep and want it. And that's so hard when there's people around you that aren't willing yet. You know, you're like, I see you right there. You're just right there. And I think that's why a lot of us we need to be in a 
desperate spot when mm, you're in a prison right. cell by yourself going, how the hell did I get here? That creates a, a little more of a willingness to change. That's a whole other type of willing. I just yes. want to throw it out there. That's, <laughs> yeah. there, there's a, there, that's one of them when you're sitting in the hole going, I will do anything. <laughs> just get me out of this cell. And it's then there's true. those ones on the street where like, I will do anything. Get me off of the streets. Yes. Right. When we yeah. meet with people at Reclaiming Lives, um, a lot of times they're in active addiction and we're kind of trying to create a plan for them based on them reaching out or, you know, indicating that they want help with a recovery plan. Yeah. And in my brain, as they're talking, I'm always kind of analyzing the whole stages of change. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I know that's kind of a more clinical <laughs> methodology, right. but, but there is works. something to yeah. that. And it, it, it supersedes addiction. Of course, there are things that I need to change in my life too, that I've <laughs> not <laughs> quite made it to the actionable stage yet. Right. But I don't know, John, if we that's something it. that you see too, like, you know, there's the people who are contemplating the pre-contemplative, the contemplative, and Absolutely. How, you know, we hold hope that people are going to move through those stages of change. And I often say that to people when they're sitting in the office and I don't know if they think I'm, you know, crazy and they don't know what I'm talking about, but I think the concept of, you know, I can see that your situation is rough right now and that Mm -hmm. you want something different, but, you know, come back. If it's not today and you're not ready to engage, we still care about you. We're going to be here. This is not a, we're only helping you if you're here to access treatment. We're here to build a relationship with you. And we want you to know that you're valued as a person, regardless of whether you are clean or not. That's right. And so uh, the stages of change are really big in identifying where a person's at and even personal personally understanding what it takes to move to that next level. And I hope I hope the listeners heard just what you said. It wasn't, hey, we're not here to get you clean and sober. We're here to build a relationship. Relationship. And if the relationship happens, being clean and sober will probably take care of itself. Yeah, isn't that true? I wow. mean, it comes back up here to number four. Well, how many people have tried to make someone get clean? Yeah. Everybody will kill yourself. It doesn't happen unless they're ready. And so, yeah, you can, you know, (laughs) give them a hundred and one ways to do it. And if you just listen to me, all your problems would be solved. None of that works. So helping somebody figure out where they're at in that process of change and loving them through it is really what works. Beautiful. Mm. And the minute they're like, they, it clicks and they're like, Okay, I'm ready. It's it's you yeah. know, and, it's and, they've, thing. and they've been in the office twelve times before throughout the year, yeah. and we're still there providing open arms. What do we need to do? Calmest people in the room, loving them through it until they can figure it out, and, and they're willing to change. And Stephanie and I and Christy and John in, in your profession too as a counselor, because we're just peer supports, but we do very similar work. I'm telling you right now that sparkle in the eye of willingness to change is what gets me up in the morning. Mm. But that is so rare, you know, because I think so many of us um, think that if I only do ABC or I need to, you know, I, you know, someone's taking the time with me to have a conversation, I have to do these things in order to make them happy or in order to, you know, do the thing that I know I need to do. Right. But I mean, it's, you know, if if you're, if if someone just wants a relationship with you and you think, God, I've been in addiction, you want a relationship relationship with me? Why would you want a relationship with me? Look what I've done. So it's like that starts the that starts that road, you know, of love. I remember we were helping this gal and she was sent to us from a therapist because um, she was struggling with alcoholism. 
And she came into the office. I hadn't met her in person before, and Brandon was there. And she literally flopped down on the couch, and she's like, I, I said, well, how can we help you? And she goes, I have no idea. I don't even know why I'm here. Yeah. And so I, I think we pretty much had a conversation about, you know, do you think that you're an alcoholic? And she said no. And so I think the next words out of my mouth were, well, how much do you think about alcohol? And she goes, oh, damn. I just, she goes, I, before I came here, I stopped at the store. Yeah. I'm like, well, we don't even really know who you are, and this truth-telling stuff you're giving us is great. Yeah, exactly. Thank so, you, because we I can mean, work with that. We yeah. bonded with her, and we laughed, and it took us literally nine months, nine months of nine meeting months. with this girl almost every week, and all four of us have met with her individually mm-hmm. and as a group, and we love this woman. She mm-hmm. is amazing mm-hmm. and, you know, funny and just, like— We have such a heart for her, but it took a long time for her to move through those stages of change through some very scary circumstances and life-altering events. Let me tell you, it was uh, really hard, but, you know, she's in a treatment facility right now, and we're all celebrating that. And whatever happens, like, you know, I know that she's better for the experience, and we don't get to determine somebody's recovery. We just get to stand alongside them and watch them. Make it happen. Yeah. It's a beautiful and, uh, thing. It's a beautiful... To invest on that level has been hard for all of us. There's mm. been difficult conversations. I personally have cried over this person. I've begged this person. I've done everything I can think to do. But, you know... Um, to see her be in a place that she's in today is just super rewarding. This is why we do it. Yeah. It's that gleam in her eye when she said she was ready. I, I, it's going to make me cry a little bit. Like, yeah. Brandon used to just flat out every time she would say something over a group text, he'd just say, go to treatment. Are you ready for treatment? You ready? We'll take you there. Wherever it is in the nation, I will drive you there. Like, you ready yet? Nope, nope, nope. And, and then one day she not, said yes. Yep. And so that's why we do what we do. But that willingness to change, ladies and gentlemen, is something that if you don't have it now, reach deep, dig deep, because your rock bottom is not going to be pretty. So... I really yeah. appreciate I really appreciate that one. And I feel like number six is going to... Piggyback. Punch right into number five real good? Six or is, is it a little different? Well, six is tough because I don't recommend this in the early stages. No. <laughs> no, and, no, 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 no. And, get, get well uh, first. And that's because, uh, you know, I've struggled at times over the years at looking at like the 28-day detoxes and the passages Malibu and stuff like that uh, as calling them treatment centers because in, in my mind, uh, just me personally, uh, they're really a, a detox. Yeah. That, that's it. Uh, it's going to take at least that much time for neurochemically for you mm-hmm. to balance that's right. out. So what, what I look for uh, in, in my counseling is to try to get someone – stabilized Mm -hmm. to a place to be able to handle or start working on number six. And I list number six as um, a willingness to work on the actual issues. Core issues. Mm -hmm. The core issues that that might have kick-started your addiction or uh, sent you down a certain path. and let's be honest, we all have them. And yeah. some and people some people don't even know what they are or where, when they happen. Right. 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 So uh, not to get into a big laundry list, but we can just give it a brief example. If uh, you, you were a youngster and there was abandonment in, in your life, that's going to be a, probably a core issue mm-hmm. that probably played into your addiction in your life as you see it today. So in that first 30, 60 days, again, I think it's naive for someone to say, well, John, I've done 60 days uh, worth of treatment. The best case scenario is I'd like to see you for 60 days so I can stabilize you uh, into a place where we can get into the abandonment stuff. 
And so it no Oof. longer has a hold on you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I said this a minute ago, like some people don't even know what their core issues are or what, right. what's going on, but it's really right. important. Like if you take a look at something and, and this is where it gets a little difficult, ladies and gentlemen. So just breathe with us a little bit. Cause this could be tough down deep and we apologize, but it's important to understand how important this stuff really is. So if you don't know what your core issues are, hmm. find somebody you trust and have a conversation. Yeah. Make it a really calming area, drink some tea, that's what I like to do, and really try to work on those. Hopefully it's with a counselor that is is trained professional that yeah. can actually help you get through these things, not the guy next door who went through counseling. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, and it seems like it goes back to the other numbers that we talked about. You have to be open and honest. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to build healthy relationships. So maybe there's just that one person, whether it's a counselor or a mentor or a sister or somebody that you can say, hey, you know, I have these, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, something in their past or something that that they thought could be the reason, you know, that these core, you know, a core issue that they don't want to talk about. They're afraid to talk about. Right. So, you know, it's important to be back to the willingness and relationships. Right. And... That was a heavy first six. Yeah. What do you guys think? You think? Well, I, I just wanted to. So, in listening to this, let's go back to the does, as we look at this, being proactive, being held accountable, right? Being open and honest, having a willingness to change, working on your core issues. This list, doesn't that look a lot different than? I got 42 days and I go to meetings. Yeah, it looks a lot of work. <laughs> well, and, and you know, you're, you're absolutely correct, John. Yeah. I just right. want to put that up. But it's also when somebody starts and works through these things, I know it sounds difficult, but I freaking promise you yes. there is beauty mm-hmm. behind it. Yes. Thank you, Brandon. That was uh, very well said. Thank you. And uh, as, as I kind of close off my portion, I want to go one back to one thing that Stephanie shared a couple of minute ago, minutes ago because I believe it's important. And that's why me personally, I enjoy and why I'm working with Reclaiming Lives is because their heart and their mission is to invest in people mm-hmm. while they work through yep. the issues or stages of change or their life. Yes. And I hope that the listeners know that and realize that this is what this organization is all about. Mm. Thanks, John. Thanks, I appreciate John. that. This Dang is it, such an John. amazing team. <laughs> Are you crying, Brandon? Almost. <laughs> to be with the most amazing people. Well, thank you for being here and your expertise and just the 11 years that you've given to people in our community. I mean, um, I'm going to brag a little bit, but like when people come in and see us, if they've met you, they love you. Yeah, Yeah, they love you. Absolutely, 100%. Like you are different and what you do is relationship-based and people remember how you make them feel. Absolutely. And you make them feel amazing and I appreciate that. Yeah, I don't don't think I've ever heard one time somebody say, oh, John. (laughs) John? Because you know we get those. No, he is well-loved and we're so lucky in our community to have him. Yeah, we are. Thanks, you guys, for this episode of the Survivors of Addiction podcast. Um, As you all know, these are the opinions expressed by Brandon Christie John and myself and not necessarily those of our board 
Um, we appreciate you tuning in and commenting and all of those good things, rating stars, all of that. We are on all of the major platforms for podcasts. You can also visit our website at reclaiming-lives.org. We're going to go ahead and conclude this episode of the podcast titled, How Do You Know You're in Recovery? Mm. And make a part two. So stay tuned next month for part two, where you'll hear the next six of these amazing action steps that you can take to be in active recovery. Thanks for joining us and have a great day. Love y'all. Bye. Bye.